Thanks, and welcome to Ask BBB. Ask BBB provides information about activities of the Better Business Bureau serving Western Ontario. Accredited businesses give consumers trusted information that helps in choosing products and services. And business owners and managers share insights that can benefit other business operators to conduct their business with trust and integrity. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Linda Smith. Linda is the CEO and the president of BBB Serving Western Ontario. The deadline for RRSP contributions that can be applied to the 2018 tax year is the 60th day of 2019, or midnight, March 1st. So, this morning, we have as our guest the president of Planmar Financial Corporation, Tony Kuzakrea, to answer our questions and provide information about investment strategies. Welcome to Ask BBB, Tony. Thank you very much for the opportunity. And hi out there. Planmar Financial Corporation was established 37 years ago. Tell us about the company and its growth in the London area. Uh, Actually, it's growing phenomenally. Uh, the first mutual fund got started, or RSP, was in 1957. Um, and uh, I was in the industry for 50 years. And I saw that there's a great opportunity for the for ourselves and for the public. Uh, it's very badly needed. Financial planning is, is very, very much lacking in most people's lives. So we saw the opportunity. I love helping people. I love people. And it was the opportunity of a lifetime for me to help Canadians. RSPs have been around since 1957, as you yes. noticed. Uh, it was first established. It's become part of pretty much everybody's investment plan. So what what types of accounts, Tony, can be registered as retirement savings plans? Several type of accounts can be put into an RSP. Uh, the one that I like best is cash. Uh, you can put a GSC on it, which is a guaranteed investment certificate. Uh, uh, RSPs are for the long term, so generally I don't recommend uh, uh, basically guaranteed investments. Generally, they pay very low. Uh, and there's other vehicles such as stocks. Um, you can put in um, real estate. I don't recommend it. The reason is there's a heavy cost, and it's not practical for most people. Uh, for example, if you put a, a house into uh, the RSP and you needed a little bit of money, it's very difficult to get a little bit of money out. And so we generally don't recommend it in real estate. So many of us are aware that making an RSP contribution reduces our taxable income in the year the contributions are made. What else should we know about RRSPs and taxes? Well, I think I'm going to shock you and the public out there. Not everybody should have an RSP. Uh, and, and of course, uh, large institutions for the sake of profit will recommend it to everybody. Uh, we don't. And the reason is the idea of an RSP was intended, uh, one, for those people that don't have an opportunity to have a, a pension at work. The reality is it's like your own personal pension that you're building. And so the government gives a great break, but depending on your income, whether you should have an RSP or not. Basically, if your income is on the lower range, say under 40000 generally I don't even recommend an RSP. And the reason is because basically you save at the time. So if you're in a 30%, $30,000 income bracket, your tax bracket is very low, probably around 22%. That means you save 22%. The odds of when the money comes out, your rate is going to be much higher. So the, the, 
the person that should have an RSP is a person generally with higher incomes. For example, you're earning 50000 and above, so you're now in a higher tax bracket, let's say 32%. And so the idea is you're getting a, a big refund. And when you take it out, the intent is that you're likely taking it out as a retirement and the income will probably be lower for most people. And therefore, the idea is you save 32% and you're putting it in and pay back 20 at retirement. So you actually save on taxes. So it's really a way to postpone the payment of taxes or to even get around paying some taxes. But when you say people uh, with incomes of 30 to 40 shouldn't have a registered retirement savings plan, Tony, uh, they should probably have a savings plan, though. Yes, absolutely. Retirement savings yes, plan. Yes, absolutely. And so do you work with them to set that up as well? Well, we work to, in all areas of their life. We're sort of planning their entire rest of their life financially. And so we look at the client and we decide whether they need an RSP, whether it's better to have a tax-free saving account or just a general investment so, so you've um, so we're eligible, and you deem us appropriate for an RRSP. How do we determine how much we should be contributing? Um, well, the government has a, a, a formula. What you're allowed to put, put in is eighteen percent of your earned income, up to a maximum of twenty six thousand five hundred. Uh, now, that's part of the total planning. Should you have an RSP, and also how much? So back to the rule of thumb, low-income people, it actually is a disadvantage to have an RSP. Um, it may be a much better place for them to have it in the other two areas, which is tax-free savings accounts, which just started eight years ago, and they are another form of an RSP. The RSP and the tax-free savings account, the reason they were started by the government is number one, they were actually afraid, should, are they going to be able to find, provide the kind of pension plan 30 years from now? Because, uh, the age bracket is, is quickly going higher and higher of the number of people retiring. And so they wanted to encourage, was one of the reasons why they started in 1957, to have their own in case they can't provide it. And, and so, uh, and the same for the tax free. So the, the main reason it was started, but it also is great for the public because it kind of encourages them to save for their future, for their retirement. Well, you may already have um, alluded to this question, but do you ever does it ever make sense to borrow money to make a contribution to an RSP so you get a, a larger tax deduction? Does that ever make sense? I want to congratulate you both, Jim and, and Linda. Um, it, it's a, you've done your homework. You're asking beautiful questions that are so critically important in the financial planning and to the public, which we want to help and improve their financial life. Um, so as far as, uh, boring, it depends on the rate you're paying, having to pay for the boring. If generally the rates are low, uh, say under 4% or less, it's very ideal because in our type of investments, which are not guaranteed in most cases, we've been averaging for 50 years about 7% a year. That's averaging. So if you're boring at four and you're making seven, great idea to borrow. But if you're boring at four and put it in a guarantee that you're collecting one, a very bad idea because you're actually in the long term going to lose money. You're listening to Ask BBB and our guest this morning is Tony Kocher-Kria, the president of Planmar Financial Corporation. 
and we'll be back to continue our conversation right after this break. Welcome back to Ask BBB, a weekly program produced by the Better Business Bureau serving Western Ontario. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Linda Smith. Our guest this morning is Tony Kuzerkria, president of Planmar Financial Corporation. We are exploring RRSPs, or Registered Retirement Savings Plans, and how they fit your investment strategies. Tony, before the break, we were starting to discuss about whether it made sense to borrow money to contribute to an RSP. What about is now a good time to set up your contribution for this tax year? Great question. Yes, uh, they you, you can do it throughout the whole year from January to December. Uh, but you're, the government, to give every opportunity, allows you to do it for the next two months till March 1st. And so the beauty is the, the portion you've contributed during the year uh, can be debted only for last year's income. But the portion that you're putting in January, February of the following year, you're, you you choose. You have the choice to, to put it for last year's deductions or next year's deductions, which some people are not aware of that. But this is a good time to actually be doing some planning for 2019, eh? Of course. And we recommend um, that the, the dollar cost averaging in our world, we call it, is the best way because your dollar cost averaging actually gives you more money in the long run to, to register and, and investment-wise. So our recommendation uh, is best to do it on a monthly saving program directly into an RSP. One, it makes it a lot easier. A lot of people, uh, when it comes to the end of the year, don't have that five or $10,000 to put into an RSP. So we recommend uh, on a monthly basis. You can set it up with us uh, that we do it all automatic for the client. At what point in retirement planning do you stop making contributions to your RRSP? The official date by the government uh, is uh, when you're 71 years old. You're no longer able to do any more. Um, I think it's a long process. Uh, the biggest mistake that most of us make is that we wait till we're 50 to start planning for our retirement. <laughs> um, and there's never enough time for a great retirement. Of course, at any time is good to to better your future, but best to start early, and that includes general f- planning as well as RSPs. Um, but we recommend that you should be dealing with a good planner that's you're seeing him regular, and they will keep you up to date with anything that's coming new. And yes, depending on the income level, as we said before, whether you should do an RSP that year or not. Now, Tony, we've talked about putting money in. Uh, You talked about stopping it. Uh, What kind of planning has to go into bringing that money back uh, out uh, after you've reached uh, retirement age? That's very important because what some people, and I want to stress this, it's going to shock some people. That's why it's important that you're always planning for the future. uh, And that's till God calls us uh, should be planning. Um, as far as uh, when it should come out, uh, it depends. Uh, if you have an emergency, I would borrow before I take it out. So in all, if possible, you should never take money out of an RSP. But what's involved then once you do retire, though, and start bringing that money out? Uh, are there some considerations there? Yes. At 71, you can no longer put money into an RSP. 
and you have to you have two choices. You can put it into a long term annuity, which I don't recommend. The the payout is too low. Or you can invest at where we specialize as mutual funds that averages seven percent a year. And at that point the minimum at seventy one years you must put it into what's called a RIF. Mm-hmm. It's just a name that's when you start drawing. And the government, there are stipulations in that condition. You have to, every year, take out a minimum. It's a government formula. It starts at 71 at around 4% of the total value of the RSP. So if you're reading that, reaching that age bracket, you want to be talking to your financial planner and making plans to see some of that come out. Handling our investments is certainly one area where trust is paramount. Of course, we recommend people search the BBB directory to find accredited businesses and people to deal with. Beyond that search, how do consumers look for a financial planner? And we thank BBB for doing such a great job in our in you know in locally and world in, in Canada. Uh, we think uh, start with what you said. Go to BBB now. In addition to, I suggest you 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 ask people that you know. Uh, are you satisfied with your financial advisor? It's a good way. And then I suggest that you actually interview a minimum of three different organizations, including the advisor you're going to be dealing with. Actually interview them and give them tough questions. Uh, and I would prepare for that interview. You can actually interview them and see if you wish to work with them. And so minimum, I would recommend uh, interviewing three different financial advisors. Tony, um, you've been around for 50 years in this business, and you've provided us with some great information. But now in the minute or so that we have left, uh, tell us about another organization that you have uh, founded and started. It's called Love First. Why did you start this movement? Well, in my 50 years in the financial world, money seems to sometimes, in some cases, put people going the wrong direction. And that's the big disappointment I've had in life as a whole, is that in the last 50 years or so, uh, I see morals of many people going downhill, where it's about themselves. It's about me, me, me. I want it today. I don't care what it costs. I don't care about the future. I want it now. And worse than that, some people, some corporations will do whatever it takes within reason to, 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 to get that money. And so it's bothered me because I feel that God put us on this earth, seven billion of us, to take care of each other. And in some cases, I'm not seeing that happening. So about two and a half years ago, I started this movement uh, through love, the most powerful weapon on this earth, uh, through love to get people back on the right track and to start caring for each other in many ways. And and so uh, we're we've now in five different countries doing great jobs in getting that turnaround. We've had many great successes. And you have a, a website. It's lovefirst.ca. Yes. And uh, they can find out more about it. Well, Tony, we're, thanks very much for being with us here this morning. Thank you very much for having me. You're listening to Ask BBB. And our guest this morning, Tony Kutsuria, president of Planmar Financial Corporation. 
Planmar Financial Corporation has been an accredited business with the Better Business Bureau since 1986 with an A-plus rating. And you'll find Planmar in the BBB directory, as we mentioned, and you can search under Financial Consultants. And from there, you can click through to their website, which is planmarfinancial.com. Or you can visit their office at 400 York Street here in London. We'll return in a moment as Linda brings us Better Business Bureau information on investment scams. Welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Linda Smith. Well, Linda, our guest this morning has been talking about investments and investment strategies. When it comes to investments, it's not surprising to learn that there are some scammers out there. The Better Business Bureaus across North America works to expose all nature of scams. We encourage listeners to check the BBB scam tracker on a regular basis and to report all kinds of scams uh, to scam tracker when you become aware of them. And what will we find there when it comes to investment scams, Linda? Investment scams take many forms, but the one thing they have in common is a promise to make a lot of money in a short time with low risk and low initial funding. Unfortunately, it is something many people fall prey to. Well, when you put it that way, it sounds like it would be simple to spot an investment scam. Well, you might think so, but the scams are often very complex cons with very detailed stories. And it sometimes takes years to realize that you've been scammed. Even seasoned savvy investors fall for scams. Con artists are, well, artists. They are masters of persuasion They learn the weaknesses of their targets, and they tailor their pitches to take advantage of those weaknesses. So what are some examples, Linda? In the most very basic version of the con, the scammer convinces you to invest in a project, company, loan, or other initiative. You may even receive regular reports that the project is producing great returns. But when you try to withdraw your money, it turns out the investment never existed. Another common investment con is a pyramid scheme or Ponzi scheme. You buy into a company where the profit doesn't depend on the sale of the product, but on bringing in new investors. It's mathematically impossible for these setups to continue indefinitely, and eventually the pyramid collapses. So you said earlier the investment scams are sometimes difficult to determine. What has BBB learned that might help us? Be very wary of buzzwords. Certain phrases should raise a red flag for an investment opportunity. Don't believe anything that is guaranteed to do well or that offers low or no risk with high, high returns. Pyramid schemes, even if they are not called that, require you to bring in other investors in order to recoup your original investment. The investment industry is highly regulated. Be wary of investments that are unregistered. In Canada, the Canadian Securities Administrators, or CSA, is an umbrella organization of Canada's provincial and territorial securities regulators, whose objective is to improve, coordinate, and harmonize regulation of the Canadian capital markets. In the United States, the investment should be registered with the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, or other investment industry regulators. Also, check licensing for the sellers. So what's another warning sign? High-pressure sales tactics are also a big warning sign. Many risky investments are sold at opportunity meetings or other high-pressure situations. A similar tactic is the use of a shill, a decoy, who offers a fictitious success story but is really being paid by the promoter of the plan. Some pitches leverage a shared connection such as 
the same ethnicity, church, profession, etc., be on the lookout for attempts to prey on an, an affinity. There are some very legitimate direct selling opportunities in the marketplace, Linda, and we can check the company in the BBB directory. But what are clues that the investment might be a pyramid scheme? If you find that the reward for recruiting new distributors and selling them products and training materials is more than the reward for selling the products, you may be dealing with a pyramid scheme. I guess the most obvious pyramid scheme is is the chain letter. A chain letter may seem like harmless fun. Is sending $5 or a book or small gift with the hope of receiving the same from other participants that that big a risk? It may not seem like a big deal, but any chain letter that has you sending money or other items of value through the mail with the promise of a return on this investment is illegal in the United States and Canada. Also, if you participate in email chain letters, you could also be spreading a virus or other malware to all of the people you are emailing. You mentioned BBB's Scam Tracker. Are are there other resources? BBB's Institute of Marketplace Trust has more information. If you go to your browser and type in Fight Financial Fraud and BBB, you will be taken to pages with tips on what to watch for. And if you want to check out an investment company, Visit irock.com. That's I-I-R-O-C.com. That's the Investments Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. And that's about our time for Ask BBB this week, Linda. Until next time, I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Linda Smith. Remember, Ask BBB. And start with trust.